This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another podcast on Fifth Ave. Taylor Haas and Julianne Pelosi here. Uh, excited to join you guys again. And we have a lot to talk about this week. Taylor, you know, the season ramping up and uh, Jeff Carter. Um, Taylor's in San Jose right now. So can you tell us like what you saw at uh, practice? We're recording this on Friday. What did you see at fr- uh, <laughs> practice? How would you see at practice that um, would indicate whether or not Jeff Carter gets benched for Vinny Henestrosa? Yeah, it looks like that's going to be the case. Um, the Penguins practice today, Friday in uh, San Jose, practice yesterday in uh, Cranberry too. And, the line combinations they used both those practices were the same. Um, Jeff Carter skated on an extra defense pairing with P.O. Joseph. That's an indication 99% of the time that he, <laughs> yeah. you know, whoever's doing that is not going to play. Um, and so, uh, Vinny situation. <laughs> yeah, Vinny Hinnestros was the guy that got in. Um, then in Carter's spot on the fourth line, um, centered by Nola Chari and then um, Matt Nieto on the other wing. We're not super surprising that they'd look to switch things up. I mean, they really didn't have the option for much of the season um, because mm-hmm. they weren't carrying an extra forward. They didn't have a cap space. They were carrying two extra D um, with John Ludwig and Ryan Shea for most of it. And then, you know, both of those guys got in. But, I mean, they didn't even have the cap space to recall a forward until Alex Nedeljkovic went on um, long-term IR and opened up that that space. So, uh, and then, you know, at, even then after Nadalkovich went on long-term IR, there were a couple days that were, they, they just weren't having practices the way the schedule worked out. So like Hinnestroza didn't get an opportunity to even practice with Achari and Nieto. So it's not too surprising that he didn't get in right away. But now that they've actually had a couple days of practice because there had, there is like a, what, a four day break in between games here. Um, it looks like this is when they're going to make their move and put Hinnestroza in, um, in, in Jeff Carter's spot. Well, just like, where do you think that Carter is failing? It, you know, it's, I don't think it's like a Carter specific issue. I know mm-hmm. like he was awful last season. Everyone knows he was awful last season. He hasn't been that bad this season. It's more so just the entire um, fourth line with, with Carter, Achari, and Nieto. They don't have any points through nine games. They haven't been that bad though I mean obviously you can't go that long without without scoring like you're gonna have to chip in offensively at some point here um Maybe a little bit yeah. <laughs> yeah but they haven't been playing that bad uh like you know you look at the like the on ice like all the uh the shares for things like shot attempts on block shot attempts shots on goal expected goals for the early part of the season, they were even like kind of towards the top of the, um, you know, as far as all the lines go, like the rankings on the Penguins, they were kind of towards the top. They were doing well. So like they weren't scoring, but they were helping drive momentum. They definitely weren't giving much up. 
Um, now it is, it has kind of fallen back down to right around 50%. So like pretty much even, or maybe even a little bit below 50%. But then also you look at the way that line is deployed. Um, they're mostly in a defensive role. Like um, Jeff Carter at five on five, only 20% of his faceoffs come in the offensive zone. He's mostly in the defensive zone. Um, so like, that's not setting yourself up for like a lot of offensive uh, success, but you look at what's happening as far as shot attempts and all that while they're on the ice, and it's fairly even. Which, given their deployment and how you know where they're starting their shifts, that's pretty good. So I don't think it's a issue with any one of them specifically, but you, you had to do something just because like that line's not not you, you right. have to score at some point. And um, Hinestroza is the guy that got called up, um, two goals, two assists in five games, and Wilkesbury. Um, he's literally just the guy who was playing the best down there at the time. Uh, that that's all it was. And he's a natural right wing Carter was playing on the right wing. So if you're going to sit anyone, um, it, it, it would be Carter, even though like you look at those early games, I, I thought Carter looked <laughs> good in some of those games compared to last season, which low bar, but, um, it, it just, mm-hmm. it just makes sense. If Hinnestros is the guy that's going to get in, you, you kind of have to sit Carter. So. Have yeah. you, when's the last time you got to see Hiddishers? I'm going to dip into my Sabres jar here and um, <laughs> put some money in the Sabres jar. Um, I covered Vinny Hiddishers in Buffalo. And I thought that if he's on the right line, he can be very productive. And he, you know, he's, he's, he's that kind of gross grinder type of guy. <laughs> like, so what do you think that like he can provide on this line? And uh, like, do, do you feel that he can have success? And also, again, back to my first question, when's the last time you saw him play? I mean, not on it. You know, Hinnestro is much, much better than I do. Um, I mean, just a couple of preseason game games here, but I can't say he stood out too much for me in the preseason games. Um, I didn't get to really watch any, I like full games of his and Wilkes-Barre, those, those five he played um, other than, you know, just some highlights. Um, I mean, the speed is the one thing that stands out for him. Um, and, and that, that can help for the for the fourth line especially so you know we did we talk about the nhl the edge the puck tracking data and the skate like that the edge site that just came out no yeah, we haven't we did. not right. together no because we had to skip yeah because you were you're sick but anyway it's, <laughs> yeah since you and i last recorded nhl edge that's what it's called it's like the player puck tracking puck tracking data mm-hmm. came out and so we actually have all this like data of like you know zone time and where guys are when they're on the ice and I mean skating is the big thing um that we got out of that and Achari is like the slowest skater on the team um that's that's kind of one of the main things like (laughs) so you know taking some like Kinestros where like speed is like really one of his better assets and putting him on that line that'll be huge but that's not to say that Jeff Carter is slow um I mean we I know everyone thinks he's like you know he's cooked. He's old. His legs aren't there. He's like towards the you don't get so you don't get like real rankings with this edge data. Um, you get percentiles. Um, and so like Jeff Carter, you know, last I looked, he was like in like the seventy fifth percentile for like speed bursts, and it, it you know so they'll they'll. they'll group at like 18 to 20 mile an hour burst, 20 to 22, 22 and up. But Carter is one of the fastest skaters on the team, surprisingly. I think like his top speed, um, at least a couple well, games ago. You can ago, see it, him gun it. Like you can see him gun it in some games. Well, it, it's, it's just yeah, I think what it is, is his legs aren't moving very fast. But he doesn't have to because he's so big and he has such a powerful stride that like it might not look like he's really trying hard out there to, to he doesn't have to move his legs as fast as some of the other guys. But like when he gets going, I mean his his speed is one of those things that he really hasn't lost. And I know that sounds surprising um for Jeff Carter, but like we have the numbers. That, like you just can't argue with the numbers. So um but yeah, he's gonna be watching from the press box in San Jose. So, yeah. 
How do you kind of analyze the Jeff Carter hate by not hate? I don't like to. It's, no, no, it's hate. It's hate. It, it, it's so. I, we wanted to talk about this a couple weeks ago. I think even like the after the season opener, I think we wanted to talk about it, but we ran out of time. It's like taken on a whole, like it, it's reached a level that it, it, it has become um, hate. The one thing for me, um, like if you want to criticize his play, like that's fine. Um, like he, he, he was awful last season. Um, I wrote about it a number of times, but then the, the way the, the, the place that some fans have taken this, it's insane. And I, you go back to, um, the first training camp practice, um, you know, they're using the two rinks at the Lemieux complex. And if you're going over to the other sheet of ice, um, you can either walk the long way around or you can cut, there's like a little tunnel that goes under the bleachers where the fans watch. Right. And he's walking over and like fans are, you know, it's just a couple. It's not like a, you know, a big thing, but there are a couple that are yelling at him. Like, why are you still here? All, all that. Which, <laughs> which is crazy to do during training camp. Um, when you have not played a game this season. And then you go to the season opener against the Blackhawks and they're doing the player introductions. And, you know, they go, they're going the whole roster and they come out. Some guys are getting more cheers than others, obviously, like Eric Carlson comes out, people go crazy. Um, Jeff Carter comes out. Not only, I mean, the, so the cheers are lesser, fine. You don't, no one's making you cheer for Jeff Carter. But then he gets booed. Um, in the season opener. No, the season oh, opener. The regular season, the player introductions, he's getting booed. He has not played a game this season. And you see his face, you know, because he's coming out, there's him down, and mm-hmm. his face does immediately drop. Um, and I mean, you feel bad for, I, I feel bad for him. Um, again, he's not played a game this season. Just let him play a game, like see where he's at. I thought he had a fine training camp, even the preseason. I thought he looked better. Um, I, he, he was coming in with a good attitude. You know, we talked at, at, at camp he knows he played bad last season. Um, he's not dumb. Um, but booing him in the, in the player introductions on the home up, that's that feels personal. And I mean, when his face dropped, I don't think it's necessarily like his feelings because um, that he's worried about because he talked, it was like late last season and um, you know, someone did ask him about like the external noise or whatever. And he made it clear that he doesn't care um, what people are saying. That's not saying he doesn't care it's that he's one thing to say that it. it's one thing to actually feel that way. And yeah, but my thing is like when you're doing this as a season opener, like he has two young kids there. Um, and I'm sure for him, if anything bothered him, it's, it's that, that like his kids are there for that. Um, cause his, his kids are like six and seven. Um, and like, yeah. I'm sure if you ask his you remember son, that. that your memory is in ether at that point. And yeah. it's just, it, that's what's really frustrating as like people who cover professional sports and uh, you know, now I'm covering the NCAA, uh, NCAA football. It is hard to watch how critical people get of players. Like sincerely, I get that they make their big salaries, what have you, but they're people. And then we go down to the locker room. We see their families waiting outside for them. Like they are real people like just, like us and you know everybody has a bad day at work sometimes and you know we have our bad training camps <laughs> like it is really that is tough to watch and you feel with Jeff Carter for that but it seems like they the penguins are making a move at least for now to keep him out of the lineup yeah and i mean to the jeff carter just the like the fan perception point again i i keep i see people all the time say like oh he doesn't care he's getting his like three million dollars um like about his play you know he's over it that, that he, it's not like he is not like mailing it in just collecting a paycheck like he wants to win here and he loves Pittsburgh, like, I know people are like, oh, you know, if they scratch enough, he'll get, like, upset and demand a trade because, you know, he has the full no movement clause. You, you can't get rid of him unless he wants to. He just bought a house here. Like, he might live here even when he's done playing. Um, like, he, he's not going anywhere. And that's why it feels like it's kind of like being a dead horse of the Jeff Carter, um, 
you know, like criticism because it, it's literally impossible to move him without his consent. And he, we know he doesn't want to go anywhere. Um, and until, you know, Hinesterza came up and they actually had that extra forward, there, there wasn't anything that could have been done. Now there's something that can be done and he can sit. So, yeah, I mean, it's worth seeing Hinesterza, what, what he can add to that line. I, I think it is. And like after covering Vinny um, for a little bit, I just think he's such a shot in the arm to a dressing room and also just on the ice, his speed, like you brought up. And uh, I, th- I, th- I think it is worth giving it a shot. See what you have. Cause he doesn't do great when he's not gelling with his line, but when he's on the right line, you can see some like real sparks of like a sick hockey player with him. And so I think, you know, if this line works out for him or they can maybe kind of move him around. I know Don Granato like to do that more than Mike Sullivan does um, with his young lineup, people that aren't as used to each other. Um, but, y- you know, you can kind of like inject him in almost anywhere and he will, if it's the right fit for him, he performs. So that's that's what I got for you in the Sabres jar. Popping in my money. <laughs> um, but also speaking of um, fan favorites, Tristan Jari, not one of those right now. Um, do you have any kind of insight being in the dressing room? What's going on with him and how quickly things could maybe get back to normal uh, for him to fix everything? He's just, he's just been inconsistent. Um, when he comes out, puts up a shutout against the Avalanche, and then the next game he gets pulled against the Senators, like three goals on nine shots, um, and he can't be having those nights. I, I mean, as far as like insight out of Tristan Jari, um, that's never gonna gonna happen. Um, he's just the worst talker on the team. Like he, he just doesn't like giving anything away. Really, I, I know people sometimes. They'll watch, like the fans, they'll like watch the videos of him talking and they'll think it's maybe like apathy or him being rude. It's not that it's just a, some goalies are weird, man. That's kind of how he yeah. is. And he just, um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Getting, the little bit that I've known, like Nadelkovic and Helberg since they've been around, they seem like normal people i haven't seen wow. any like weird goalie behavior it's like pictures and goalies man like it's just like <laughs> yeah so jari um i he just doesn't talk a lot uh he did admit after um the loss to the ducks that he has he he has not been up to standards um he knows he needs to be better uh so he i mean he admitted that and like you look at the the advanced staffs. I mean, it's again, small sample sizes. We're only like a little bit into the season, but um, I, I don't like using like, like goals against average and save percentage. Cause that kind of takes two into account the rest of the, the team in front of them and like how many sure, shots yeah. they're giving up. Um, the better thing is um, goals saved above expected and quick, like explain it like you're five years old. Um, there's expected goals. That's a stat. It sounds goofy, right? Expected by whom? No. But um, there's it takes into account the quality of scoring chances. So it quanti- it it assigns a value to those. You know, like based off the probability of that, you know, location angle of the sh- the scoring attempt becoming a goal. So it's like if um, a shot from a particular point on the ice off of like a rush um off a specific angle 10 percent of the time is a goal in the league um then that's like 0.1 expected goals the numbers are not that high it doesn't work out quite that way that's just like as simple as you can make it and so then it pops out a pretty number at the end where like oh the expected goals in this game are like 2.58 to like 3.42 and so it's like if you know everything worked out as um probability like league average that would kind of be the score so if the end results are way off from what the expected goals are 
then that's when you can kind of use it to evaluate a goalie. So that's, so the stat for goalies would be goals saved above expected. So if like the expected goals against are two and Jari lets in one, then he would, it would be one goal saved above expected. The numbers are never that clean, but to bring this all together, um, for those who listened through that whole explanation, Jari's goal saved, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's no easy way to like explain these stats if you're not super familiar with them. And they do have goofy names. Um, Jari's goal saved above expected per 60 minutes. It's minus 0.3. I, I, there have been 38 goalies in the league this season who have played at least five games. He ranks 35th in goals saved above expected. Yo. So that's taking that's <laughs> taking into account like the actual workload he's facing and the quality of the attempts that he's facing. And it's like, how is he living up to to that to that workload? It's taking that all into account, you know. Because then if like a team is you know allowing like 50 shots a night and the a goalie can be letting in a lot of goals, but if he's kind of handling it the way like at a league average goalie would, that would be re- reflected here. So Jari is below expectations. The only goalies lower are Samsonov, Gustafsson, um, and Stuart Skinner with the Oilers. So, Sounds about right. Yeah, you know, there's not. And it's like, then what's the answer? Um, Jari just needs to be better. <laughs> Nadelkovic, we saw him a little bit, uh, and it seemed like, okay, he, he had a great start, and it's like, okay, he could be – someone that could maybe push for, I wouldn't say maybe the starting job, like a full, like number one, like workload, but at least maybe like more of the, maybe closer, like 50, 50 starts, but he's on long to my hour, lower body injury. He's out until November 19th at the earliest, um, just with the long term hour minimums. Um, so, I mean, he could be out longer than that. We don't know. I haven't, he hasn't been on the ice yet. Um, at least not that I've seen. Um, right, is what he's doing back in Pittsburgh right now. But I agree with you. That's the only like that is literally what this team has. That is the only solution right now. Is that Tristan Jari needs to be better? Yeah, he needs to be better. Um, Helberg, he is the one backing up right now. I don't think he's gonna quite push for the for the starting job. He had an okay relief appearance um, in that Ottawa <laughs> game. But, I mean, it's such a small sample size. And, I mean, he didn't have a great year last year. I mean, both both Helberg and Adelgridge were coming from the Red Wings who make a lot of goalies look bad. So, I don't know. Maybe Helberg's better than we think. But, like, we're not going to – I'm not ready to say, like, okay, he's going to take a this lot of the – This is what's going to work, yeah. Yeah, and the Penguins don't really have, like, back-to-backs um, coming up where we'll, we'll, we'll see Helberg um, a lot. Uh, now that November 19th, um, they play the Golden Knights that day. They're in uh, Raleigh the night before. So that is a back-to-back. So um, if Ned's not ready, um, the backup's going to start that game November 19th, no matter what. Uh, if it's Ned or Helberg, we'll have to wait and see. But you'd hope, you'd hope Ned gets back soon. We're going to be right back with more on podcast on 5th Bav. Taylor, what do we have coming up here? Gosh, we have so much. Uh, <laughs> Halloween costumes. We're going to talk about that because we missed the Halloween episode. Um, Taylor is annoying. Like, she literally <laughs> will just text me everybody's Halloween costume, rate them, look through Instagram stories. Like, she is like this oh. every single year. So we got to rate Halloween costumes. <laughs> I got the, This is not just pulling social media. I got the scoop from one of like a player. Like I sat down with them. Okay. And I'm like, just, okay. just run down the list for me, you know? All right. Well, stay with us. We'll be right back. Um, Taylor's going to talk about Halloween costumes. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Podcast on Fifth Ave. We have some fun. Taylor is obsessed with Halloween discussions, Halloween costumes. She's obsessed. (laughs) We're going to get to that in just a bit, but we're going to have some more fun um, actually talking uh, about a Hall of Fame discussion, potential Hall of Famers on this current Pittsburgh Penguins team. I think we have at least two, er, two bona fide Hall of Famers. Crosby and Malkin, we don't have to discuss. Like, yes. they're Hall of Famers. Yeah. As a defenseman, though, it is harder to get in. And there are um, two defensemen, you know, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang, that is going to be not as easy for them as it will be for Crosby and Malkin, um, even given the amazing things that they've done in their careers. Um, so let's start gosh, do we even talk about Sid? Like, I mean... No, Sid and Gino... I mean, Sid and Gino, Gino. no, they're... What's like, that? Sid and Gino, they're, they're first ballot. Like, it's not even worth talking about. Like, there's no... There's no <laughs> debate. Yeah, and... You know, it, it does come back to the defenseman. And because, like you said, it is harder for defensemen to get in. Like, I put up the numbers. Um, in post, like, expansion, um, forwards do outnumber defensemen getting in 61 to 25. No, I mean, you look at a roster and like there are more forwards on a roster than defensemen, but the number of forwards getting in each year is not proportionate to like the actual number of forwards on a roster. So, I mean, defensemen, it just, it is harder for them to get in. Um, and that's why the, I, you know, you, I, you hear, um, I think people for Penguins fans for a long time have called all three like Hall of Famer, like the core. Latang, it's not super clear cut to me. He's definitely not first ballot. I don't think. And I think you look at other defensemen who are not in the Hall of Fame um, as kind of like a like a bar. Um, and for me, that's Sergei Gonchar. Sergei Gonchar is not in the Hall of Fame. How many years has he been retired? Like he's had ample opportunities. Um, he has a cup. He has an Olympic silver medal, Olympic bronze medal, world championship silver, I, world to championship me that bronze. feels like a crime. And, and 20 seasons, so he does have the longevity. Mm-hmm. And if he's not in... Um, you know, it's not all about the cups because uh, it's not the NHL Hall of Fame. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like the international play does does play a role too. Um, and so like Latang has like the three cups. That's obviously huge. Um, he he has not played for Team Canada since um, World Juniors. So like as as an like an adult um you know he's never made the olympics he's never made the world championships now obviously the world championships it's a little tough because he's been on some penguins teams that have made playoff runs and maybe he's had the opportunity um to make it and uh you sure know had the opportunity but you're, but even then you're if, deep in the postseason and you know that's just not an option at the time and also you got to save your legs save your body play so many minutes yeah, but then even if it's out. like okay he sh- he should have made it that year i mean the fact that he hasn't he's never played for team canada at, in, as at the senior level that's that's a huge knock for him um carlson i think even though he doesn't have um the cup i think you know look you look at the individual accolades um Letang doesn't have a norris carlson has three um he does have the international um, accomplishments. He has an um, Olympic gold, world championship, silver. Um, you look at, you know, like the all-star team voting. So not making the all-star game, um, but like the actual voting um, at the end of the year. Carlson's a five-time first team all-star. 
Um, Latang's a two-time second-team All-Star. I think I think Carlson will get in before Latang um, if he can get a cup. Uh, that'll help for his case for sure, like getting in sooner. Latang, I just don't think it's that clear cut. The three cups, sure. Um, I, the Masterton that he just won maybe maybe helps him a little bit too. He does have the longevity, but again, like I said, like you look at Gonchar, who um, he has like the the international uh, accomplishments. He was you know one of the top D for so long. Gonchar was behind Lidstrom for so long too. So like it's not. Eh. He he wasn't gonna win like a Norris, uh, right? But, but that doesn't take away what he did. That doesn't take away how great of a player he was. Just because one one person is consistently better than you are throughout your career, like it just yeah. It, it, so it sucks. It sucks. So for me, yeah, Sid Gino locks. Um, Sid definitely first ballot. Malcolm probably first ballot. Carlson, I'm, I'll say yes, maybe, maybe not first ballot. If he can get a cup, sure, then first ballot. It also depends on who else is up, you know, because they're minimum, they're, I mean, maximums of how many right. guys can get in. So, like, it, it, it depends on, you know, when these guys retire, then who else retires around that time and who's going, because if they're just better players, then you can't say first ballot when there's like a limit on how many guys can get in um, every year. Letang. If Gonchar hasn't, let's, I mean, let's see what happens with Gonchar. If Gonchar gets into the Hall of Fame before then, then like I'm much more optimistic about Latang. But um, I, I just think Latang, he might have to wait um, a few years, if anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, first ballot Halloween costume, big T. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, so we did get, you know, like Instagram. The Penguins had their party a couple of weeks before, like two weeks before Halloween, just because of the way the schedule worked out. Um, and You're they really like, I want everybody to know how annoying that you are with hockey Halloween costumes. Well, like, it's you know, you blow up my phone with everybody's <laughs> costume and you need to dial it back maybe no. next year. But what, okay, Crosby's. Our Crosby's, listeners can at least benefit right now from how weird you are with Halloween costumes. I don't care that much, but Crosby. <laughs> okay, because what there's the Halloween party, and then like actually on Halloween they went like trick or treating. So like a couple of them repeated costumes. Some of them they had second costumes. Do you take now, I mean, for a repeated costume? No, I don't. But Cros. I sent you Crosby's and you're like, that's Crosby. That was that that's hilarious to me. So uh, for people who didn't see the only in Raquel's wife, Emily posted the group shot and they were funny. Actually, I needed to like, I'm grabbing my phone next to me because I want to yeah. go through the ones we sent to each other. So okay. Crosby's girlfriend, Kathy is in that picture. And so back at the team party, Crosby, his girlfriend, um, Jeff Carter and Jeff Carter's wife, they were um, Talladega Nights, like race car drivers. Yeah. And so in this group picture from the little trick-or-treating group, you see Kathy, um, Crosby's girlfriend, in the Talladega Nights costume. But then next to her, there's just like a generic old man. Um, There's just like a generic old man. It's hard to see. I can't see that. But, um, you know, with the full-on mask... And I don't think it's a specific old man. It's just a generic old man. And people are like, is that Sid? And I think you look at, first of all, look, him being next to his girlfriend, that's obviously a major clue. But even without that, Crosby is extremely bow-legged. <laughs> <And like laughs> the, the way, people are like asking me, is that old man Sid? And I, I don't know how you can look at that, see the bow-legged old man and not immediately know who that is. But I mean, so, but back to the team, the team party. So I'm sorry. I, I can't look through photos that we send each other and not and like keep it together right now. Um, <laughs> um, so we didn't get a whole lot of pictures from the team party, but so what I no. did the next practice, I kind of crushed it though. That's where like you got to kind of see some of the Halloween parties. So well, who so wins? Um, honestly, saying Sid. Mm, no, 
I like Raquel and his wife, what they did, but we didn't get a picture of Raquel. So what they did, they dressed as each other. So like Emily, like Raquel posted a lot of pictures of her as Raquel, as, as her husband. Um, Raquel, like Ricardo Raquel had a strict no pictures policy of him in drag. Uh, can't imagine why. But I feel like if we, we, there were like pictures where you can see like his blonde hair on the side, his long blonde hair. I'm like, I'm, I'm sure he looks good. Um, but, you know, we didn't get a ton of pictures, but like I did sit down with one of the players the day after the Halloween party. And I'm like, okay, can we, can you just like go around the room and like tell me who everyone was? I'm not going to quote you. I'm not going to say like, so-and-so told me this. I'm like, just, I just want a list. And so like he did. Um, okay. The funniest thing for me was I'm like, okay, it was Gino. And he's like, he was a big ketchup bottle. And I was like, what? And How I was like, half behind, right? It could only be. Well, here's the it thing. It would be wrong if it's not. He said that. And I'm like, was anyone mustard? Cause like Malkin's like wife is in Florida right now. Um, Cause like her, you know, their son goes to school there and on. Um, he's like, no, just catch a bottle by himself. And I'm like, that's funny. But then, so on that Halloween. funnier that it's by himself too. Well, on Halloween, Latang, I think it was Latang, posted a picture of him, Sid, and Malkin. Malkin wasn't ketchup. He was a Coke bottle, um, which is so funny then to me that this player just thought Malkin was ketchup the whole night, but he was, he was like, he was a Coke bottle. It wasn't ketchup, <laughs> but my, okay. So he, my favorite one, um, I guess you can call it a couple's costume. It didn't really work out, but so it's after practice. This was a couple weeks ago and I stick around late to talk to P.O. Joseph about something. I can't remember what it was, but basically I was like one of the last reporters left in the room. Um, and like Latang and Joseph are always like some of the last ones off the ice. And so after I talked to P.O., Latang's walking out of the room and he stops and he starts saying to nobody in particular and he's pointing at P.O. and he's like, he doesn't want to be Barbie. We're trying to figure out our costumes. He's like, I want to be Ken. I want him to be Barbie. And P.O.'s like, I don't want to be Barbie because like, I can't, I don't think I'd look good in the heels. Like if P.O. can't do it authentically, he doesn't want to do it at all. But he's like, I can't. Right, can't like, all the guys were totally fine dressing in drag. Like, well, but, but yeah, so that's they're going back and forth in each other in the locker room. And Pio's like, why can't you be Barbie? He's like, you have the hair. And like, he's like, I want to be Ken. You have to be Barbie. And then Pio's like, I, I'd rather go as Tupac. And then Latang's like, if you're Tupac, what am I? Because obviously, not going as something together is not an option. <laughs> um, so like they're doing that and then so you know we didn't get any pictures right away from this party so when i'm talking to the player who like goes down the list i'm like oh what did you know Latang and po end up doing and he's like okay he's like so there's a long story i'm like they, they weren't barbie and ken he's like no so what they settled on was po is donkey kong and Latang is a banana but then the bananas you know the they order their costumes they get delivered and Latang doesn't like the way the banana suit fits him. Like it's missing, I guess, like the pants that really go with it. Um, and so the player, he told me, so what Latang does is he digs through his wife, Catherine's old costumes and pulls a Wonder Woman suit. <laughs> and where is that? Um, his wife's old Wonder Woman costume. Well, and then I'm like, well, then, so what was P.O.? And then he's like, oh, he's still in his Donkey Kong. He didn't have a backup. But I think it's so funny that Latang was so adamant that they have to go something together. And then he he didn't quite like... And then he bailed. He bailed. Yeah, and then he bailed and left P.O.'s Donkey Kong by himself so he can dress as Wonder Woman. Um, but, yeah, that's... Well, uh, I love Latang as Wonder Woman, so... <laughs> In his wife's, like, it's his wife's costume, too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're so tight. Oh, no, so we did get a picture of that. Yeah, it absolutely, well, you can tell, it did not, it was not made for <laughs> him. But there were two also, in the, two independent Little Mermaid groups, um, where, like, two groups formed independently to go as, like, Little Mermaid. Uh, Ryan Graves, he was King Triton, his um, girlfriend, fiance, I don't know what she is. Um, she was Ursula. But then Brian that was Russ, really good. That was Brian, really good. they, they, I saw pictures before they go, people are sharing them on Twitter. Graves and his girlfriend go all out every year, but Rust was also Ursula and he fully committed with like the purple paint and like the, like the drag eyebrows. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then Shad Ruido was like his Little Mermaid, um, which was very funny. Uh, mm-hmm. to there were a lot of guys in drag. Um, you can ban the pride tape. You can't stop half, half the team from dressing a drag at the Halloween party. And then <laughs> they did. On the and now you pride can't take away the pride tape anymore. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Taylor, this is why there's something wrong with you. How much you've analyzed. It's always funny every year. It is really funny. And like hockey always does it best. Like, <laughs> you know, you look at like NFL Halloween costumes. They, they just, it's not as good. It's not as good, and they like hockey. Does I love, I love the team videos where like someone will do it every Halloween, where like they'll scare players walking into the rink that day. Oh, did um, you see um, Ryan Reeves? Yeah, yeah. The Leafs, <laughs> Leafs have done it a couple times. Um, that that was very good, but yeah, I love that. The Penguins should do that, but it, it is tough because like the Penguins, the way they walk into the rink, they you can go like either way. So it's hard to like catch everyone coming in at the same time. Well, um, they did, I saw when the Leafs posted it with um, Rebo, they like put a sign, like use this store only. Mm. And then he was like, in, like I think a comp or no, he was in a U-Haul box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's cool. Like, I, I mean, I'm trying to think like who would be, who would want to scare guys. Or like who would be good at it? Um, honestly, like maybe would attack. want to, but would be bad at it. Who? Sid would want to, but would not be good at it. I think, I think Sid would it be. He would be amused by it. I don't know if he'd want to be the scarer uh, himself. I'd have to think about that. I don't know if. <laughs> I don't feel like because they have like a Marc Andre job. Oh, hundred percent. They just don't have anyone like that right now. So yeah, they don't. They don't have somebody to fill your car with. Packing peanuts. Anyways, well, they did that to Pia Joseph like last year. So, but it was Jason Zucker. That's the other thing. Zucker's gone. But we've talked too long about Halloween. Yeah, we're done with Halloween. I'm done with you talking about Halloween. So we're going to take a break. (laughs) We'll be right back with more podcasts on Fifth Ave. We uh, are going to take a little bit of a turn here. we're going to be talking about Adam Johnson and uh, what his player or what his former teammates have had to say about him. Um, just an absolute tragedy in the hockey world, and we can't not address it. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the podcast on Fifth Ave. We have some not fun news to talk about, some really painful news to talk about. Uh, Taylor, you covered Adam Johnson for a long time. He died at 29 years old uh, this past week um, after he was cut with a skate blade. And it's something that we need to discuss because um, of neck guards and also just the person that Adam Johnson was and you got to know covering him as long as you did. What is the most lasting impact um, he made on you while you covered him? I mean, the the thing that stands out the most for me that you kind of have to remember is for Adam Johnson is his, you know, so he was in the organization three years from 27 to 2020. Um, he was, he was an undrafted free agent signing after out of um, Minnesota Duluth. I remember, so like he came to that development camp in 2017 and he just, as a sophomore, a lot of times if you see guys sign out of college early, it, you, it's rare that they leave as a sophomore, but he was just um, that much of a standout that he earned a contract. And mm-hmm. um, he his, his skating was evident from that first development camp, I remember. And, I mean, when he was in the system, he was definitely the fastest prospect they had. Might have been the fastest player they had in the system at all. But uh, you remember... So he's from Hibbing, Minnesota, small town in Minnesota, big hockey community. And um, his one and only NHL goal was scored in Minnesota um, on the road. And that, I mean, that's something um, that, you know, I remember in the, the video of like his reaction and he got the like MVP helmet back then. It's like a firefighter helmet. And he gets the firefighter helmet. Um, but like his, I remember his whole, 
Yeah, Sid gave it to him. Um, but yeah, his whole his whole line was was great. That game, I remember that was, it was like the story. They they won like seven to four, um, and he played. It was him, Blandisi, and uh, Lafferty, um, and they combined for three goals. Each of them scored. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's as like a person, um, very quiet, um, but a dry sense of humor. Um, and he was someone that always had his teammates laughing, um, when he would speak up. So, um, if, if people didn't read it, I did write a story. Um, it was like Monday of, uh, I did, I did talk to like a lot of guys who played with Adam, um, just like sharing their memories. Um, a couple guys, um, like who are now on the, on the penguins, like the big team, um, just asked for their memories. And a lot of them, it's like talking about, that game in Minnesota um, that they remember, like Sid talked about Latang, um, uh, Russ, the guys that were around for that. Um, but then, so I, I talked to more of the guys in Wilkes-Barre who, who were around him a little bit more. Um, and yeah, it's that dry sense of humor guys bring up a, a couple of guys are sharing like funny memories of like one liners he'd have the, his like one liners. That, that was a big thing. Um, once I talked to Teddy Bluger, he was down there with Adam a lot in Wilkes-Barre. And, um, the one, the two he brought up that like he, he was thinking of. Um, so Wilkes-Barre's captain back then, Garrett Wilson, um, tough guy. Uh, he was like, you know, one of their best players down there, but he was also huge and he'd, he'd fight and he's physical and all that. And Johnson, very, so like I, I talked to Johnson a lot when he was in Wilkes-Barre. And the thing with him always was like, he, he was skinny and he was like trying to put on weight. Um, and I mean, so Jamie Devan was another player I talked to too. And he, he actually said they used to call him the accountant just because he, I'm like, why? Like, cause he was built like an accountant, but he'd go out there and like fly around. Um, but anyway, so like Teddy's story is like, he, he said like most games would be in the locker room like beforehand. And Adam would just like shake his head at Garrett Wilson and be like, I could beat the wheels off of you. <laughs> Which is like, just funny. Just knowing like what he was, how each of them were as players. They're like, um, probably not. <laughs> but like, you know, just, just to get the guys laughing. Um, and then the other one uh, was training camp in 2019. So the Penguins had um, Galchenyuk. And Teddy says, like, they're all sitting in, like, the sauna, um, just chatting. And, I mean, Gal- and Johnson, he's messing with Galchenyuk, but he's like, um, were you ever drafted? And Galchenyuk obviously was a number three overall pick, but like just 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 to like screw them like that, um, those kinds of things. Something that Teddy and Devan both brought up. Um, so I, I heard I talked to them back to back on the phone, and T- Teddy starts telling me the story of like this player they had that was obsessed with his car, like to like a weird level. Um, and like Johnson messing at the car, but like he, I was like, well, who is the player? And he's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to put that out there. But then I talked to like Devan, like right after, and Devan is like, so Joseph Cramarosa was really <laughs> <laughs> obsessed with his car. And like, as I'm on the phone with Devan, like I shoot Teddy a text, and I was like, was it Cramer? Is that who you were talking about? And he's like, how do you know? And I was like, well, Devan just, and but so yeah, it's the same story. Um, Cramerus was weirdly like obsessed with his car and uh, he, he, he goes to, you know, go to his car. I think it was like after practice and like the windshield wipers in the mirror and a lot of stuff on the outside it just messed with. Um, and then he goes into the security cam like footage at the rink. Um, and he sees demands of the video is hilarious that like Johnson, he's by himself. He just like walks past it stops does like 180 looks at it and then like turns around and just goes screws with the car and then just like keeps walking and like Cramarosa went to security footage like found this and like is taking screenshots and like sitting it around um so <laughs> to let everyone know he found out who it was but um I mean but beyond like the the sense of humor and all that Teddy said um Johnson, he was like brutally honest, like didn't sugarcoat anything, which is where he got a lot of his like one-liners from. But it also had um, him be like a good go-to guy just to talk to if we were like for like advice um, or guys just needing to vent. Teddy said, um, you know, like one guy on those teams lost his um, like his father 
and Johnson, I, I think it was Kevin Churchman. I think Kevin Churchman's the only guy who lost a dad um, during the, he didn't tell me who, but I think it was Churchman. Um, and he said Adam Johnson was like one of the guys who he went to first and was like really there for him to talk to. Um, and like, I, um, I mean, I knew, I knew Johnson I, fairly well from all those. Um, this is back when I was uh, writing Wolfsbury stories like once a week. And he was like one of the best guys down there. So I got to talk to him um, a lot. And there were only a couple of guys during those years where I knew them well enough where um, when they did get the first NHL call up that I knew them well enough to like shoot a text and be like, hey, can I talk to you like now? <laughs> um, like before, you know, you go to the rink tomorrow and everyone else talks to you. And um, so I get that like little like one on one, you know, um, and the two guys I remember who I did that for their debut, I did, it, it was Teddy and then um, Adam Johnson. So like Adam Johnson, um, his debut came in Nashville. And um, so we got the call up to books where he had to go to Nashville that night. Then the game was that, the next morning. And I'm sure, you know, for him, you know, he gets that call up. His you have a million day. other things to think about. Yeah, you're right. calling your family. Yes. You're calling friends. your friends. You're calling your yeah. girlfriend. You're calling, you know, everybody in your life. And um getting people tickets like there's so much and also you're about to go play a game like yeah. your first <laughs> game so like for him to the way that he responded to you and wanted to make sure that you got that story first and you had that loyalty says so much about him yeah um yeah i remember i, I did go back and read that story that i wrote and he was like um Cause I asked him, he was like nervous and he was, he was like nervous. He wasn't gonna be able to sleep that night. Uh, just like the excitement. So yeah, uh, I mean, I, I like the tributes teams have been doing. Um, the Penguins, they did that, uh, like the video that was really well done. I really loved what the Ontario Reign did. Um, so like after Adam left, uh, he did go to Sweden then he came back. Um, he played for the Ontario Reign in the AHL, then Lehigh Valley in the AHL, and then the Panther in the DEL in Germany, and then the Nottingham Panthers in um, England. But um, yeah, so uh, Ontario, the Ontario Reign, that's the, the Kings affiliate. They, the next day, um, named him like the number one star of the game and just like put his jersey um, at center ice. And then everyone who like played with him um, during those um everyone who's still on the roster who played with him came out and like you know gave it like a tap but um awful um but i mean if there's one it i don't know if it's positive to come out of it but like it's definitely affecting real change across all of yeah. hockey i mean because this is like the biggest story in sports the past you know week or so i mean it's yeah. worldwide there's people who don't care about hockey at all they know about this um but I mean, one thing that's, hap is, that's happening is like the neck guards. Um, yeah, Protecting like I know mm -hmm. the next day, um, the Brit the elite ice hockey league, that's the British league where he was playing. They, they're mandating mm -hmm. neck guards for all players. Um, it's not until like uh, the end of December just because there's like supply issues right now just because um, it wasn't super popular for guys to wear before, but um, they're mandating it. Um, so over, over, um, in North America, Canadian major junior, the OHL and QMJHL already did mandate it. Um, they've had it for years. The WHL was the last of the leagues that didn't have it. And they did mandate it this week. Um, hockey Canada already had it mandated for like youth players. It's not mandated for USA hockey. Um, I mean, so like something Pia Joseph talked about is, you know we're talking about like your guys gonna start wearing it in the nhl and he's like if you're canadian you grew up wearing it so like you should be used to it um so but the nhl can't mandate anything like that without kind of having talks with the nhl pa first so mm -hmm. we're not going to see the nhl do anything right away but so what the penguins are doing the penguins did mandate it for wheeling and wilkes-barre both their affiliates um we're recording this friday wilkes-barre's playing right now they're they're all wearing neck guards so like they came in right away um uh we saw thursday's practice a couple penguins start testing them out that was graves eller carlson and, and Pedersen. 
Um, not sure if anyone's going to wear them in a game yet. I mean, part of that is that it's like a, a, a supply issue. Um, you know, you have to get them. There's different kinds. There's like the detachable kind that like it's its own thing. Um, I, I've read that I guess those can be a little bit more uncomfortable and maybe they are more prone to coming off. Um, but something some companies make, it's just kind of like a turtleneck. Um, so there's like a Kevlar neck. Yeah, I saw uh, TJ Oshi advertising that I think last week before this situation, he was just advertising that. Yeah, and the company. Yeah, it, it looks more comfortable. You know, that's players would be more prone to wear to me. He's wearing I, it in a game um, I, either tonight or, or yesterday. Um, the Capitals play, and he, and he wore because then that does offer wrist protection too. Because you go back to like um, Evander Kane getting his wrist, right. like that was a scary right situation too. Yeah, so that's um, that's something that you know they're they're looking at too. Like because then you, I mean that's that's important. Um, so well, it remains to be seen. Like I guess how the NHL Penguins are going to handle it might get a little more clarification Saturday. See if guys start wearing it in games. Um, I'd imagine it takes some time for guys to like test out what kind they want to wear and we might see it, it, it grow over time. But I mean, yeah, you start mandating it like for the guys in Wilkes-Barre and Wheeling, then they just keep it on once they come up If you know, or, you know, you, you start the junior leagues and all the junior league guys wearing it. Maybe it becomes more of a um, thing they're just comfortable with. But I mean, it, why not? Especially if it's like the, the like undershirt, like turtleneck kind um, where you get that like dual protection and it's more more comfortable. I, the thing I, I've seen a lot of players talking about when they're like talking, uh, you know, about whether or not we'll see this become more of a thing. They're like, oh, you got to sacrifice the cool factor, but it's worth it. I'm like, turtlenecks are cool. They look cool. Wayne Gretzky wore a turtleneck like his whole career. You think Wayne Gretzky wasn't cool? Mario wore a turtleneck. Um, you know, when he was covering, that was for like the chemo, like stars. It wasn't like a, like a neck protection thing, but turtlenecks are cool as hell. Just, <laughs> it's not sacrificing yeah, anything. I'm your turtleneck. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. It's different than wearing a cage. I know a lot of hockey players have told me like, you know, when they wear a cage, like it's harder to catch your breath. And also it's just like in the way of your vision. And they don't, most of these guys, they don't care about getting rocked in the face with a puck. Like, but this is, this is so much more of a, obviously that has been a problem with people not wearing a cage. You know, that player in Russia died. And, um, but this is just so much more life or death of a situation that, um, I, I think we're going to see guys across the league really start to wear these. If, I were a betting person. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, I, I, I do think it'll get to a point where everyone's wearing them. I mean, what like people, I, and I, I think it'll eventually get to the point where it is mandated. Maybe they do grandfather it in. I mean, just, like with shields, like the, just the half, like visors, um, that used to not be mandated. They're grandfathering right. it. In, so like, there's some people who don't have to, um, but I mean, we're almost at the point where everyone who has come into the league ha- is wearing those visors. And I'm sure if you go back to like the nineties or whatever, and you tell people like, Hey, they're going to mandate visors. I was like, Oh, but now it's so normal. I mean, yeah. Goalies used to not wear masks. Like it's just, oh, that's, that's insane. insane. I know. And I'm sure if you go back to like, we're talking about hockey players here. So like, yeah, but I'm sure if you go back to the fifties and you're like, look at what goalies are wearing now, they think it's crazy, but it just becomes so normal. So I think the neck guards is, it's going to be, um, uh, it's it's going to be the same kind of feeling, uh, and everyone's going to be wearing them eventually. So, and I like I've seen like fans talking about oh, maybe I I've seen a couple fans calling it like an overreaction. Like oh, that's one thing, but like how many people have to die before you do you make the change? Um, it, like it just happens. This happens, and, and it's not like not just on an NHL level. It happens, you know. Everywhere in hockey, and especially like you're thinking about like youth hockey, like kids don't have that immediate access to medical care if something like this happens. So it's really 
I think it's something that the players and like the NHLPA are going to be smart enough to maybe not enforce it right away, but to start normalizing. Let's wear some neck guards. Like, let's take care of ourselves. So there was a high school player um, who died from a skate to the neck. It was like two years ago. Um, so it's not like Adam Johnson's the first. I mean, and even in like the NHL, um, you we go back to like Millar, Chuck, and um, mm-hmm. Zednik are two guys who have had very severe like neck cuffs from um, uh, skates. At, I mean, and they they lived. Uh, I I don't. They also got immediate medical attention. I know, like Millar, Chuck. You know, it's the the story of him is like the trainer at the time was like a Vietnam vet knew exactly what to do. And it's like, if he hadn't gotten there right away, um, then maybe it could have turned out uh, much more tragic. <sighs> the stuff I was reading about like the John, what happened to Adam Johnson in England, it sounds like they were slow getting like actual paramedics out, out to him. Um, but looking at like this, how severe that cut was, I don't know if so it- So fast, so severe, so it, I, I mean, I, the video was going around. If you haven't seen the video, don't, I mean, definitely don't, just just don't, don't watch it. it. But it, I saw that, I saw that. So the, but this happened Saturday, it happened like, you know, so he, the injury happened like 3.30 our time. I became aware of it at like four, you know, people are just saying like, oh, former Penguin Adam Johnson, um, cut in the neck in England. It's like, oh, yikes. Put like a quick little thing up on the site and like, oh, update when we have it. I spent like all Saturday, like that game, like looking for updates. So like people, yeah, people are sharing the video. You came across it. And then like, I watched it. It's like, this is worse than Millar Chuck. Um, I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. I I just can't get it out of my head. And it does seem like they could have, you know, I think if it were the NHL, they would have had faster care. Um, Yeah. it's, That's, you know, he tried, to, he tried to skate off the ice to save himself. And that was the worst part to kind of grapple. Like he knew what was going on. I don't even, uh, but. I mean, the last thing I want to talk about with this, um, the actual play that led to it himself. So I've, yeah. seen, I've seen a lot of people blaming how, I don't honestly I don't want to name the guy because I don't want to send people his way. Um, the Sheffield uh, Steelers defenseman. Um, there's been a ton of people acting like it was intentional, like attacking him, um, like it was intentional. And you've seen a lot of um, players come out. Some like of Johnson's current teammates to be like, this is a hot, like it's a hockey play gone wrong. So people who haven't seen the video, a Sheffield defenseman is skating and he's going for a hip check on Adam, and he clips um, one of the Nottingham Panthers players on the way in, and he kind of is. He, I mean, so he starts falling, and when you're and falling forward like that, your legs like a counter. You're not used to seeing that. It's so much on the ice. Yeah, you. So when you're falling forward like that, like your legs, like a like a counterbalance, it just it just went up behind him. I've seen like a lot of people saying like, "Oh, I've been watching hockey fifty five years and playing longer." What they got to throw their credentials? Like I've never seen a leg come up that high. And it's like there's countless um, examples in the NHL. They just typically aren't that tragic. I mean, like Zednik. Zednik was cut by. Uh, Ole Okun and his own teammate falling forward. He like just got clipped and fell forward and your leg flies up like that. Um, you look back. I mean, there's, it, it's not that uncommon of a thing. Um, and typically you're just not making contact with the other players, but Ryan Graves, um, two years ago, Nathan McKinnon was in front of him falling forward. His back leg goes up, hits him in the face. Um, scary moment mm-hmm. could have been so much worse, but I, but then you have like the more of the Nottingham Panthers, like Johnson's team coming out um, and like defending him, uh, like defending the, the Sheffield players saying like, we are behind him. This is someone who needs our support um, because he was just the other half of a tragic accident. Um, Weston McCaud, McCaud, I don't know how to say it. He said, you know, he, he's like, I was 
right there on the bench, like meters away from where this happened. He said, it's clear to me his actions were unintentional. Anyone suggesting otherwise is mistaken. Um, and then um, the other player who has spoken out about it, Victor Bjorking, he did an interview with the Swedish outlet Expressen. Um, he said, I don't understand how some people can behave like, like towards him. It's, it's inhuman. Um, he said, I've texted him and expressed how I feel about everything. I support him. No one in our team thinks it's his fault. Quite the opposite. We stand behind him. We're a big family. Um, and so then the interviewer asked him, like, what do you want to say to those who claim it was a deliberate act by the player? And he says, they can go to hell, quite frankly. It's so insane that people think it's deliberate. Check the video. You'll see that it's an accident. Two skates collide right before. It's so damn fast. There's no chance it's deliberate. What I can say to those who believe otherwise is to listen to the people who were there, those who saw it in real time. I was a couple of meters away. So if anyone has experienced it as it really was, then it was me. Um, and again, we're, the people who are arguing against these players are seeing a very grainy video of recording of a recording from far away. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think it's insane that, you know, like the Nottingham players, like they're dealing with a lot of grief and they have to take time to come out and defend um, the Sheffield players because people are so um, ins insane about this. Uh, and... Yeah, I don't know. I, you've seen, I mean, I've seen some like Wilkes, guys who played with Johnson and Wilkes-Barre and like they're sharing things too, being like going after the Stop. Sheffield players, not, um, not the right move. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's sad and you feel, you feel sad for him, for him too. Um, because it is yeah you do, you do. It, and it's just also it's it's hard not to think about that other player that we're not going to name and also just like like I mean just all week long you can't stop thinking like about Adam Johnson's family just having to see this having the video posted out there and all of that you, you just your heart breaks for them and yeah. um just hopefully something can happen in the NHL to protect players more that something like this doesn't happen again. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, we love you all. And thank you so much for joining us for this episode of podcast on fifth F we'll be back next week with you. Take good care.